I'm going to ask, I'm going to throw, a, I'm going to loft a huge softball at you, all right? And in my mind, I have this, um, I have this speculation of how we're going to answer this question. But let me just throw this question out there at you, okay? What do you hate about Jesus? What do you hate about Jesus? I don't hate anything about Jesus, right? Well, maybe the question's a little, maybe we could tone and temper the question down a little bit. What are some things that Jesus did? Just think about it in your mind. What are some things that Jesus did or he said or he taught that you, that, that if you were truly honest with yourself, you'd say, yeah, I wish he wouldn't have went there on that one. You know, maybe, maybe it's like when you read through the Sermon on the Mount and you read about, you know, it's one thing to look at someone, um, or, or it's one thing to commit adultery, but even if you look at someone, um, you, you've committed it in your heart, right? Or it's one thing to literally kill someone, but, if by your, but your words accomplish the same thing. Do, do you get the point where I'm going with this? It's like he just took things and took it to the next level, right? But, you know, when we keep it down here, I had a conversation this past week about some, another pastor friend, colleague, and we were talking about law and grace, Old Testament, New Testament. And, you know, if we could be honest with ourselves, and I think that's why uh, what we see within the Gospels, why people bristled so much, is that, is that technically speaking, I mean, we could probably say technically speaking, it's a little bit easier to keep the law, right? I didn't actually physically kill anybody, right? You know, I didn't commit adultery with anybody. I didn't do certain things, and it's easy to check it off and check it off. But when Jesus says, yes, but if this, if it was in your heart, you did. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't stand up and celebrate that. I, I look at that and I'm like, oh, man, because it just shows me that there's no way I can live up to this. And, and that's essentially what it is. It's, it's the power of Jesus that enables us to, to live a life like that, right? But at the end of the day, I wish Jesus wouldn't have said that. I mean, you know, if that makes me less holy, then so be it, okay? But when you look at, well, not so be it. I don't mean just to write it off like that. I'm just simply saying that. Um, anyhow. But, but, but so, so when you look at Jesus, when he taught and everything, we're, we're, we're going to be, in First Peter today, we're going to be talking about freedom, okay? And, and it's amazing how things just kind of line up and coordinate where we are in the scriptures. So this week, we're going to look at freedom in, in this series called Echo. But I'm going to just share with you that there were things that Jesus, when it comes to freedom, um, Jesus spoke about freedoms that they had, right? And the Jews, remember, we got to remember, we got to understand the context. The Jews were being um, ruled by the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had pretty much conquered the world at that time. And so they were subject to live under, they were subjected to live under the Roman rule, okay? Now, what the Romans allowed them to do is they allowed them to kind of have their own little what what we could call it not nationality per se but their own they, they, the Romans kind of said okay you can do your own little thing here you know you can be Jews you can do your own little thing okay this is a horrible way of explaining it right but you can do your own little thing but just don't press up against Roman laws right the Jews hated that they hated it. In fact, they hated it so much they missed the Messiah, Jesus being the Messiah because they were looking for what? They were looking for someone to release them from their political tyranny. They hated the Romans that much, okay? And then yet Jesus would actually tell them, hey, there are certain things that you have to submit to, right? For instance, 
Matthew 5, 40, uh, chapter 5, verse 41, in the same context of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, there's this, there's this Roman law that said if a Roman soldier, remember this, if a Roman soldier was carrying his gear and his pack, and he would be walking along, and a non-Roman citizen would happen to walk by, the Roman soldier could take off his gear and his pack, set it down, and it was required by law for what to happen? For the non-citizen to pick up the pack and carry it for one mile. There we go. <laughs> one mile. There we go. One mile or so many paces. What did Jesus say? Yeah, don't just stop at one, carry it two. Now, let's just... Okay, 21st century, let's just use our logical brains right now. Do you think that the Jews would have said, yes, that is an awesome idea, let's do that. Do you think they wanted that? They were being suppressed, more or less. They were, they were subject to the Roman law, and now you've got Jesus that's coming and saying, you know what, it's, it's law, it's Roman law that we live under, for this to happen, so let's not stop there, but let's carry it another mile. Now, again, there's a deeper teaching to that, right? There's a deeper teaching of grace, and, and but it's again, Jesus is saying, you're, this is what citizens of my kingdom looks like, right here. This is what they look like. They're not going to stop at one mile, they're going to carry it two, right? There was another time where he taught in Matthew 22, verse 21, just to give a couple examples, uh, where he takes a coin, remember where they, they were talking about paying taxes and giving honor to Caesar and all this other stuff, and he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? That's what he said. So there were times, Jesus observed the law, right? He, he observed the government that he was not subjected to per se, but he, he did observe it to a certain point. But the point I'm trying to make here is this. The Jews hated passionately the Roman government. Okay? They hated it with passion. And they would have uprisals. Uprisals. Upri uprisals. Risals? Is that right? Uprisals? Razal? What? Risings. There we go. Uprisings. See, that got us awake. All right? <laughs> um, they would have these uprisings. Um, you know, in different provinces and stuff. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we have the crucifixion and some of these other things, because Romans were like saying, yo, you want to push back against the government, this is what's going to happen, okay? So it was a spectacle to, set, to deter that, right? And I think that's why you had people like Herod, you know, the great, when Jesus was born, those guys, they were just so wicked. I mean, they had other things going on. But they wanted to make sure that it's like, hey, Jews, we're in charge here. You're subject to our leadership and our government. So... The Jews hated it, okay? They absolutely hated it. In fact, there was a group of Jews called Zealots. Remember? If you studied them, the Zealots were very passionate. They were, these were the guys that would run into a crowd of people and take out a Roman soldier with a knife or something and then retreat, and they would go flee up into these caves. And you can kind of see a picture of this. This, is, this really doesn't do it justice whatsoever, but this is one of the first times... Uh, this was like, I think the second time I was in Israel. But if, if, if you could picture this, uh, and you can kind of see some of these caves down along the bottom here, but if you would go up to the very top of this cliff, um, there were these caves that these zealots would go, and they would like go kill a, uh, a Roman soldier or something, and then they would hide out in these caves. Now, I want to give you scale to this. The first time I was in Israel, we were on top of this mountain looking out over, and this is what we saw. This is how high up it was. 
Can you see that? The only thing that's different from, okay, so, so when you're on top looking out over this, that's how high up you are. That first picture doesn't give them much scale. Why do I say that? Because these zealots, and of course they didn't have the fencing there back during Jesus' time, okay? Um, anyhow, so these zealots would literally scale down the front of this cliff and hide in these caves. The Romans would come, they would lean out somehow, I don't know how they did it, but they would have these big, they would, have, they would, they would throw, I don't know how they did it, but they would throw fire or smoke some, somehow into these caves and literally smoke out these zealots. And they had these big sticks with hooks on them that they were literally kind of lean over and try to pull these zealots out. Sounds like we're, we're hunting for animals here, right? But that's what they would do. They hated, the, the, my point is this, the Jews hated the Romans, okay? And they often rebelled against the Roman authority. John Calvin wrote this too, which is very, kind of an interesting uh, a point he makes. He says this, by refusing the yoke of the government, Jewish Christians would have given to the Gentiles no small occasion for reproaching them. And indeed, the Jews were especially hated. Now, I want you to lean into this. And indeed, the Jews were especially hated and counted infamous for this reason, because they were regarded on account of their perverseness as ungovernable. Okay? He would go on to conclude and say this. And as the commotions which they raised up in the provinces were causes of great calamities, so that everyone of a quiet, peaceable disposition dreaded them as the plague and this was the reason that induced Peter to speak so strongly on the subject that's what we're going to talk about today freedom okay I'm going to give you guys something to chew on this weekend and I'm I'm going to have fun with this because I've been chewing on this for a while I even in our guys group I even kind of threw it out there too but here's we're going to chew on something pretty pretty stiff today okay this is going to be like chewing in some gristle, all right? No more good Kobe steak. This is going to be a big old chunk of gristle you got, you're going to chew on, all right? So I say that to say this is a very powerful, I think, tension, okay? This is tension. This is what we call the rubber meeting the road. This is what we call, as Christ followers, what is it that we echo, okay? How do we live in the context of being free, but not free, per se. We're free of earthly kingdom, but we are slaves to God's kingdom, right? That's what the Bible tells us. That's what we're going to find out, okay? So if you want to turn to 1 Peter with me, we're going to look at chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 17. Before we do that, I want to, I want to share with you, though, the first part of his writing, remember, he's, he's identifying and he's going to continue to do this, who, who he's writing to, what they are, right? And then he goes in, chapter 1, he talks about this living hope of Jesus, this living hope of our, of our endurance, of our salvation. And he, builds, you know, he, he, he communicates right up front, hey, this is what we're about, this is what, you know. And then he talks about you know, a little bit of holy living, how we respond to that, how we place our faith and trust in that living hope. Last week, we, again, he talked a little bit more about us being, up and being built up into this spiritual temple, right? Remember that? That we're being built up in this spiritual house and that our bodies are spiritual sacrifices uh, to Jesus. And Jesus is the living cornerstone, the living rock, okay? 
So today, in, in, in the weeks to come, it really starts flushing out, is what happens. So today we're going to talk about living as that. This is who we are. So what does that look like when it comes to here living on earth? Okay? How do we live in that juxtaposition? How do we echo, or do we echo the kingdom of God, or do we echo the kingdom of man? Okay? And this is where it's going to really start getting down into the nitty-gritty. Okay, of, of who we are. So, let's look at verses 11 through uh, 17. It says this, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that were against you. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that in... Uh, I'm sorry. So that in a case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will... Let me start again. I'm, I lost my train of... My cadence here in the verse. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that in a case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will do, uh, they, they <laughs> observe what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. There, I got it out. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor to the supreme authority or to the governors, to those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. Verse 15, for it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. As God's slaves live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. First thing I want to share with you is this, that Peter shares is this, uh, and we're going to jump around these verses. Number one, and that's what we're celebrating today too, we're free. As Christ followers, we are free. We have a sense of freedom, okay? But that freedom is that we are free of earthly, um, of earthly governments and regulations per se. We are free of that. We're not, we, we, we are not slaves to that anymore. We are slaves to God now. However, you know, we are slaves to God. We're free to earthly kingdom. We're not slaves to that, but we're slaves to heavenly kingdom. Now, as we live in this world, again, he points it out from chapter one through, we are what? What does he keep saying over and over and over again? We are We are what? what are, first, we are exiles. We are exiles. We are temporary residents. We are foreigners. We are aliens. The message is this is not your homeland. We are pointed towards something else. So the question becomes as we live here, even though we're free of this worldly kingdom, you know, Jesus has saved us from that, we are slaves to God's kingdom. But, it, but he says this he goes on to say, even though you're free, you're free of that. He says this, he, he tells us that we're called, we're being called to submit to every human authority. He tells us that in verse 13, right? He tells us that we are called to submit to every human authority. There's the juxtaposition. There's the tension, guys. We're free of, we are free of this political government, but we're slaves to God, and God's saying, submit to, human, to every human authority, because I've placed them in charge. This is where... You, we've got to really iron, our, iron out our theology. You have to iron out your theology. What is it that you believe? Now, I can, hear, I can hear the pushback. I can hear the opposition because this is my internal voice too. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What if the government tells us? What if some authority, human authority, tells me to do something that God forbids? Let me just say, 
there's your get out of free jail card, okay? We are not called to do anything that's forbidden by God, okay? Do we, are, are we all on the same page? If you're half asleep, you need to wake up and make sure you hear me say that because I don't want you leaving here spreading around that I'm saying we have to do everything our government says even if it's something that God forbids. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, in this passage of Scripture, Peter's telling us to submit to every human authority. That's what the Scripture is telling us. So what does that look like for us? I think it's, you know, the reason why we do that is because we are ultimately submitting to God's authority. The thought is, the thought is this, if anyone has any authority, they didn't get that authority to themselves by themselves. God gave it to them. Some of us are going to say, hang on, wait a second, what about individuals that are absolutely evil? Does God use evil people, evil people to accomplish his purposes? We just studied through Nehemiah. God used an extremely wicked nation by the name of Babylon, a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. God used them to accomplish his purpose. God, for, for the southern kingdom, to teach the southern kingdom a lesson. God used a very wicked nation by the name of Assyria to come in and conquer his people in the northern kingdom because they were idol worshiping and they were falling into sin. Now we get into the question, well, why does God want to do something like that? Well, God gave them all kinds of chances. We read how he gave them prophet after prophet to say, look, if you don't turn from your ways, this is going to happen. So my point is this, God, either God's in control, either God's sovereign, or he's not. Either these are little loopholes, or it's by God's design that who is ever in authority is in authority. God has given them and granted them that authority. That's hard to swallow, I get. I understand that. But I think the bigger picture that we have to focus on is this, is God using different things to teach his children different lessons, different plans. God's not going to forsake us. And again, in first chapter, we know that. Our, our salvation, our, our endurance, all of that is in heaven guarded by God. Right? But I want to tell you something. We read this over and over and over again. Our faith is purified when we go through the hardships. I don't know, I'm not going to be the one standing up here raising my hand saying, I welcome and want and desire hardships. I don't. As a human, I don't. But as I trust and as I read the Word of God, I do see that when we go through hardships, that is when our faith is absolutely refined by fire. Is it not? It is. It just simply is. But unfortunately, some of us, when we're in the fire and our faith is being tested and our faith is being put on the line, where what are we echoing? The kingdom of man, the kingdom of God. Some of us really struggle with that. And I think this is what the teaching of 1 Peter is telling us. You're living in a fallen world. This is not your eternal destination, but this is how we are called to conduct ourselves. Okay, so the first thing is we're free. We're absolutely free to, uh, to mankind's king, to man's kingdom, okay? For what, what we, you and I know. But we are slaves to God's kingdom, correct? That's what the Bible's, that's what Peter's telling us here, okay? So the, so the concept here is we do submit to human authority because God, we believe and trust that God placed these individuals within, within 
the world in which we live, whether they're evil or not, God's using them for his purpose. And they don't have authority unless, unless God gave it to them. So what does it do as we navigate through that juxtaposition of earthly and heavenly? It reflects, or the question becomes, what do we reflect? What do we echo? Because if we echo the kingdom of God, it says it literally shuts down the slander. We do know that we're hated individuals, right? Christians are going to be, if we're not already, we are going to be the most hated people. This isn't about the temporal world that we live in per se. There is a bigger picture going on here between evil and good, right? We do know that. We do know that the world's getting worse, right? We do know that's what the Bible teaches, that the world is getting worse and that one day God is going to make all of it go away, we read in Revelation, and we're going, to st we're going to live for eternity with Jesus. But for right now, we live in a broken, decimated world. People are going to slander us. Jesus said it himself, if I'm persecuted, you're going to be persecuted. That's not a great way to sign up for the movement, is it? Oh, you're getting persecuted? Let me sign up for that. I'd like to be persecuted too. None of us want to be persecuted. But the fact of it is, as Christians, we have, hopefully we have a different thought process. We have a different way we conduct ourselves. Hopefully, we're weird people because we're different. We're different. We're passing through, okay? We're passing through, and as we are observed by others, people look at us and they say, they navigate themselves totally different. And it literally is going to shut down slander because the accusations that come are not going to be true. They're not true. And so we work towards submitting in a healthy way. Again, if God forbids it, we're not, we don't submit. But let's be honest, a lot of times we struggle with the submission part when it comes against our preferences and things, right? So we, we submit and we, be, we are viewed differently because of that. And the second one is we submit because ultimately in verses 12 and verse 15, it brings God glory. That's what it's about. It brings God glory. All right? As we already shared, God placed these individuals in authority. He granted them this authority. And so when, when we can submit or whatever, it brings God his glory. It muzzles, it, it muzzles the ignorance, uh, the ignorance, um, that talk about, you know, Christians and all that, and muzzles people's perspectives. And it, it's literally, it, it, you know, the talk of fools, when we interact with them, we show ourselves to be fools. So we can, as we submit, there's a way that it absolutely brings God His glory, okay? So the next thing would be that we abstain from fleshly desires. And, and I, let me just, the, the way, I mean, he talks about in the first, you know, we talked about this last week about getting rid of malice, deceit, and all those things. Because this is going to, this is the stuff that comes up. As we live in the tension of this stuff, we become, we, how are we going to conduct ourselves? Let me give you a quick little example. I know of a, let me just say this. We have a dog, okay? And not too long ago, our dog was out barking in between our house and the neighbor's house. Now, we don't leave our dog out there just to bark, 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 because it gets on my nerves too, okay? Well, 
next thing, or the story goes, I wasn't home. Next thing I know is our neighbor comes over and is laying on our doorbell as if someone died in her house and they needed, you know, help. And as we answer the door, she proceeds to set, tell us, you need to make your dog stop barking, and if you don't, we're calling the cops. Okay? What time of the day was this? It wasn't after 11 o'clock at night. When's, when's the site? When's the, um, when you got to be quiet? 11, 12, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? No one knows? Super. I wish you were my neighbor, right? Um... So it wasn't that, it wasn't like in the middle of the night my dog's out there barking, right? Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. So, so what I did, this is what I did. Let me just share with you what I did. So I, make this, I made this little makeshift little gate. Our, our, our yard's fenced in, so, so I make this little makeshift gate. So, so now when we let her out, we let her out on the other side of the house. Okay? Done. Done, Right? Done. Or is it done? With my neighbor, it's done. But you know what? You know what? You know what? The internal voices in Gail's head now? She won. She won. Now she thinks that she scared me because she threatened to call the cops. So that's the reason why he moved his dog over there. Because, you know, I won. I won. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you didn't win. And second of all, if you ever come over here and apologize, I'm going to set it straight. Okay? This is what's going on in my mind. And I want to tell you something. I can stand here with confidence, 100% confidence, that you guys have the same internal voice at times too, Right? You do. There's no way you're going to say you don't. There's no way that someone's going to say, I never experienced that, and I'm just saying I don't buy it, okay? I'm just saying I don't buy it. Because there's this internal voice that starts taking place. What I'm, saying, what I'm trying to say is, how do I conduct myself, right? That's what it comes down to. Do I get even? Do I need to go over there and tell them, hey, you know what? We, I've got it. Number one, the dog wasn't out there all day like you suggested. Number two, don't come over and lay on my doorbell like that and freak my kids out. Second of all, I'll move my dog wherever I want him. It's my yard, right? I mean, I'm thinking of all this stuff. Don't stand there and apologize. You don't want a relationship with me because you wouldn't act this way if you want a relationship with me, right? That's what's going through my head. But when I read the scripture here, then I start feeling more convicted, right? And I realized, what's the point? I'll tell you what the point is. <laughs> but this is, this is the point. We're, I, that's tension. That's living in the real time, right? That's living in the tension of things. That's living, in, and again, I get that that's kind of silly, but we all have our sillies, don't we? We all have things that happen within our lives, and it comes down into the crunch of, we say, well, I'm right. Yes, you might be right. Yes, I might be right. I am right. I am, right? I am right. But here's the deal. Is it more important for me to be right and not echo the kingdom of God and echo the kingdom of man? Or is it more right for me just to say, you know what? 
deep down, I'm, 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 it's okay. It's, it, you know what? It's all right. Let, whatever they want to, because at the end of the day, and I'm, not, and I'm not judging them, I'm not judging my neighbors whatsoever, but I, I don't believe they have intimate relationship with Jesus. So at the end of the day, what's going to get communicated to them? If I go over out of my fleshly desires and start, you know, start defending myself. It doesn't, right? Right? But that's the tension we live in. I get it. You guys have it too. You guys are, we're going to be faced with this. We're going to continue to be faced with this whole concept of subjecting ourselves to to, to human, to other, to human authority. Not that she, not that, I want to make it very clear. She's not my human authority, okay? But you know what I'm saying. Who, I'm a slave to God now. So does it really matter? Do I have to make things, you know, do I have to like make sure that she understands? Here's the concept. When we abstain from our fleshly desires, it keeps us at a safe distance from habitual sins. Okay? It's this concept where, where we put off these things. That's what Peter's saying. Put off the slander. Put off the malice, you know, because that's what, you know, that's so easy for that to just come into our internal, this, I want to get back, I want to, you know, it's not, you know, Peter's saying, put it off, man, put it off, put it off, abstain from your fleshly desires, you don't have to make it right, who cares what they think about you, you're a slave to God, you need to glorify God, by your conduct, you will stifle this kind of stuff, you will stifle the slander, you will stifle this, you know, this, these things, and by keeping a safe distance from these habitual sins, you're going to put on this, these biblical alternatives, right, and, but here's the deal, it requires an effort, it's so easy for us to say, no, man, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because they're telling me to do this. I think we lose sight of the whole big picture. At times where someone might, someone might desire us to do things, and instead of submitting to that, that's the part, I don't, let's be honest, that's the part that's not the struggle, it's what they're trying to get us to do. 99% of the time, if I could just throw it out there, and for my opinion, it seems like 99% of the time it has to do with, I don't want to submit to them right? This whole concept of submission. I don't want to submit. That's the rub. I don't want to submit. I don't want to submit. And I'm saying, I get it. And I think that's the tension that we live in. And Peter's saying, this is, this is a tension. This is a real tension. This is exactly what these guys were living in. They were living in it. They were living in it. I've told you uh, every single week, the Emperor Nero was a wicked person. And Peter's saying, Honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. I, that, I can't imagine what that, that message would have been like for these guys. But again, and the last thing I want to share with you in verse 11, he reminds us again why, or to who or why, and that is, or who we are, and that is this. We are strangers. We're temporary residents in this world, right? We run in contrast with, it's, in verse 11, that's what he's telling us, but we run in contrast with this world. We're different individuals. We... We, um, we expose ourselves by our conduct. Who are we? You know? It's not, you know, it's not just talk about it. We don't just talk about it. I mean, it's easy to talk about it, about what we should do or how to, but when it comes down to it, we take action. We take action. We, we, we work in this. We, we, you know, by the way, you, let me just, I, I, I want to make sure we understand this. When he's talking about aliens and things like that, during this time, they, the individuals that were living in a land such as this that were foreigners, they were considered, they were licensed as aliens. They were allowed, they, they weren't residents of this place, 
but they moved here for, you know, either being dispersed or whatever it may be. Alien individuals that weren't natives of this area would come and they would live here. So they would be identified as aliens. They would be licensed as aliens. They would be taxed as aliens. So there's this concept that this isn't my home. This isn't my home. It's temporary. And Peter keeps driving that over and over and over again to say, guys, this is not our home. This is broken. This is absolutely broken. It's not our home. You're foreigners. You're aliens. You're, you know, you're officially registered to stuff. You're always in the spotlight. You're always in the spotlight, but this is not your life. And here's how we conduct ourselves. Because if we conduct ourselves this way, it's going to ultimately bring God glory. You can advance yourself. You can advance yourself. You can be the one, even if you're in the right, you can stand out there and you can promote you being right. But who are you bringing glory to? Who are you bringing glory to? Peter's saying, we're slaves to God. We're slaves to God. We're slaves to Jesus, right? As the worship team comes back, I just want to close one last thought to remind ourselves this, and that is that we are aliens living in a world right now that's dominated by Satan. And that's where, I think that's where we often kind of lose that sight of that big picture as I was talking about earlier. We're living in a fallen world. This is not the way things were designed. This is not the way, this is not the way God created things, right? We know that. In Genesis, uh, up into chapter 3, God created things and everything was perfect. And he said, everything is good, right? He saw that it was good. Chapter 3 of Genesis, we see sin enter in, literally wrecking the world. So from Genesis 3, if we could use that as a reference point, Genesis 3 to today, we're living in a fallen world that is dominated by sin. It's dominated by sin. The question becomes, how do we live in a fallen world dominated by sin, being slaves to God? We're not slaves of Satan anymore. Those of us that have received, responded to the free gift of grace and salvation of God, those of us that have, that have responded to that, and we are Christians, you would say that I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. Then the question becomes, how do we navigate in the temporal world as we are just passing through? How do we navigate? And that's a hard question because we face it. We face things on a daily basis of submitting to things in this world that we don't agree with. Now again, we may not agree with them because there's a lot of things I don't agree with, but I'm not saying that we submit to things and do things that God forbids. I'm not saying that at all. But let's be honest, a lot of things that we just don't like to submit to, we'll say, well, God forbids that. Really? I mean, I think if we, we, we see that in the writing of Peter. It's, it's, we're, we're living in the tension of that. So all I'm saying is, as a Christ follower, I'm asking you the question, how do you submit to that? How do you live in that juxtaposition? How do you live in that tension? How do you live in that tension when Peter's saying, we submit, we submit, and by doing so, we bring God glory. We shut down slander. We shut down foolish talk because of the way we conduct ourselves. That is living in the moment. That is our faith being refined by the fire. So if you would, let's stand and let's just... Um,
just close our time with a, with a word of prayer, asking God to give us the clarity of that and the, and the understanding, the wisdom to be able to navigate in this world. Father, I thank you that you just didn't uh, kind of throw things out there and just say, go at it, figure it out yourself. But instead, you're, you're here walking with us. You've given us this gift of your Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to help us navigate in this world. It's hard. We're living in a world that's broken. We're living in a world where we're seeing things that we haven't seen before. We're experiencing things that we've never experienced before. We're starting to experience pushback. We're starting to experience where, where we're being the ones that's, that's kind of being alienated. And instead of freaking out about it, Father, would you give us clear wisdom of how to navigate? How to not navigate out of our fleshly desires, but instead, how do we navigate in this world that ultimately brings you glory and doesn't compromise our faith? Would you help us to see that clearly? And would you help us to be individuals that shuts down slander and shuts down the foolish talk of ignorant people because our lives are echoing your kingdom? I pray that you would just help us to respond to this message the way you would have us to respond. And I thank you for the power that you give us through the blood and the spirit of you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.